0: What's up, Playlisters? Brian from Playlist Wars here. Just want to let you know that while this show is on hiatus, both Gomez and I have separate shows that are part of the Playlist Wars extended universe, if you will. Gomez has the Sleevy G show, which you can find at SleevyGpodcasts.com. And I have a new show entitled My Weekly Mixtape, which you can find over at MyWeeklyMixtape.com. Both shows are also available on all podcast platforms. Just by searching "Sleevy G Show" or "My Weekly Mixtape," and Playlist Wars will be back soon. Thank you guys so much for your continued support of the show. Hey, this is John Laurie of Tantric, and you're listening to Playlist Wars. Let the battle begin. <laughs> Welcome to Playlist Wars. I'm part of the dynamic duo. My name is Brian Colburn. Unfortunately, Gomez is still dealing with some family issues and won't be on tonight's show. But thankfully, we have two amazing guests from the same podcast who are going to put the gloves on and enter the Playlist Wars ring tonight to battle it out with me. We have Steve and Jerry from the Something for Nothing, a Rush fancast podcast. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me tonight.
1: Thanks so much for having us, Brian. We're big fans of the show. Pleasure to
0: be here. Yeah, I'm just glad to be invited anywhere. So this is great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're happy to have you. Now, since you both host a Rush fan cast, you obviously talk Rush on every single episode. So I'm curious, and I'll start this with you, Steve. How difficult did you find it being a massive Rush fan to pair their catalog down to 10 songs tonight? It's virtually impossible. No matter what songs I chose, there were always...
1: 10 or 20 other songs that I wanted to add to the list. So I just had to suck it up and pick 10 that I thought worked and be sad about
2: the rest. Jerry, same question to you. Well, I, I was a little easier for me because I had like a rubric in mind, just an, just an idea of what I wanted the playlist to sound like. And it was basically just killer songs with great riffs. (laughs) that will just melt your face off. (laughs) <laughs> these are the these are the songs I listen to the most. So that's what I went with. It was relatively
0: easy. Wow! So we got both sides of the spectrum here. Mine is is kind of I I guess in the middle a little bit because out of the 167 studio songs in Rush's catalog, the playlisters chimed in with over 50 between our Twitter and our Patreon account. So almost a third of the songs. So even if the three of us each pick 10 different songs. We've somehow pissed off 20 of these people because their songs weren't mentioned. And then if you think about this, we have 10 songs to choose from rush has 19 albums. If you picked one song per album, you're still ignoring nine albums, nine of rush fans, favorite albums I should probably add here. So there is a little bit of, we're going to ask the listeners for a little bit of grace and understanding as we dive into this battle, because Unfortunately, there's only so many places to fill.
2: We've done on the podcast a bunch of different like top 10s or top five things. And regardless of what songs we choose, I get emails saying, how could you leave off blank? Doesn't matter what the subject is, what the list is, how many we put in the list. How could you leave off blank? And it's always their favorite song. So I'm sure the same thing's going to happen
0: today. Yeah, I'm sure if you guys did a ranking of all one hundred and sixty seven Rush songs, somebody would say, why was this song at number four and not number three? Right. Because that's how people the people that listen to Rush just love every song. Mm -hmm. You don't hear a lot of Rush fans saying, God, that era sucks. There's no one that really get that I've spoken to that are like, I can't stand 80s Rush. But there's other bands where they have different eras where people really hone into so tonight is, is, is going to be really tough because there's not a Rush album I don't like. So that's where the, the difficulty comes for me. So before we get down to business, if you'd like to support the show and you like what you're hearing, please consider becoming a Patreon member. It's quite easy. Just head over to patreon.com slash playlist wars and select whatever tier works best for you. Like I said before, and if you haven't figured it out yet, tonight our topic is the Mighty Rush, and we've each individually created a playlist with our top 10 favorite tracks, none of which have been shared between the three of us prior till now. Throughout the episode, we'll each reveal our track ones through track tens one by one, crafting what we each feel is the perfect Rush playlist. After the episode, we turn it over to you, the Playlister family, to vote at PlaylistWarsPodcast.com to decide once and for all which one of us got it right. And if you simply can't decide which one of us you want to vote for, while you're visiting the site, I've posted each one of our playlists so you can hear where we're coming from with our choices and the order in which we made them. Later on in the show, we'll each choose our one honorable mention song of the night, which has to be a song that someone else on the panel picked, but you didn't. So, Steve, let's turn it over to you to hear what you're doing with your track one. Boy, (laughs) that's a terrible one, Brian. Is that how this is going to go? Is this how it's (laughs) going to go? i love to hear people cringe right before we get down to business. So every week it's another dad pun going into track one.
1: Well, track one for me, Brian, is going to cause a lot of angst. For Rush fans, because Jerry and I have discussed this quite a few times. People get upset when you pick Tom Sawyer for a top 10 list or a playlist, but I've got to pick Tom Sawyer overplayed perhaps, but it's arguably Russia's most popular song and probably Russia's greatest song from their greatest album, moving pictures. I had to lead off with this one as a bass player. I love the line in the solo. Always was cool that I could play that when I could play bass and rush off and let off their shows with this. So I'm going to lead off my playlist with this. Tom Sawyer.
2: Jerry. Well, strangely enough, Steve, Tom Sawyer is not on my list. What? Wow. It sounds like the kind of thing that I would put on the list because I have said a few times on the podcast how much I love Tom Sawyer and how I don't think it's overplayed, even though it's played over and over. (laughs)
0: So I didn't, but I didn't choose that. I went uh, a different direction. Wow. Well, we have something here on Playlist Wars we call it bingo. And it's when all three people get the same song in the same spot. And tonight, Jerry, you have killed a (laughs) bingo for Tom Sawyer because that is my track one as well. From 1981's Moving Pictures, it reached number 44 on the Billboard US Hot 100. Astonishing to me that this song wasn't a top 40 hit. Considering how ingrained this song is on classic rock radio, I'm shocked it didn't chart higher. VH1 ranked the song number 19 on their 100 Greatest Songs of Hard Rock, and in 2010, it was one of five Rush songs to be inducted into the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame, along with Limelight, The Spirit of Radio, Subdivisions, and Closer to the Heart. According to Setlist FM, The song was played live by the band 1,204 times throughout their career. (laughs) It's a concert staple. Now, when I talk about songs on the show, I always love to mention cover songs when possible. No band is ever going to do it better than Rush. However, in 1998, the song was remixed by DJ Z Trip for the Small Soldiers movie, which was an interesting take on the song if you haven't heard it. I I won't say it's, great it's it's interesting and in 1999 dead sea covered the track for their commencement album and then finally in 2005 sebastian bach dominic cifarelli jeff feldman vinnie moore Stu ham and mike mangini of now dream theater covered the track on the subdivisions a tribute to rush album which can be found on the magna carta records label Playlisters chimed in with this one in droves, shockingly not. So shout out to Patreon playlister DR Owens 901. And on Twitter to Juan Jorge, a.k.a. Little John, who chimes in from Venezuela, the Shane and I show, Ryan at the Soundtrack Your Life podcast, and K. Hutch. There's no denying this song. It's the first ever Rush song I ever heard when my cousin put the record down and said, now you got to hear something. And one of my closest friends who's no longer with us was a drummer and I'm a bass player as well, Steve, anytime we jam together, he said, we're not jamming a song until we jam a little Tom Sawyer. And he would go into the drum beat and we would just, I would just play the bass line underneath them. And it started our jam sessions. It was a big part of our friendship. So it started my playlist as well. But with that being said, Jerry, there's a song that is breaking up this Tom Sawyer bingo. And now I can't wait to hear what it is.
2: Well, it's another concert staple, Subdivisions. Oh, I just love this song. It's the first keyboardy song heralding in a new era of Rush. Uh, Some people dropped off at that point, but I love it because it's become an anthem, I suppose, for Rush fans. You know, the outcast kid. A longing to get out of the, the suburbs and the conformity and find their true meaning in their own life. So it's always been a favorite song of mine. So it's also, you know, opens the album signals. So I put it
0: as first on my playlist. Steve, did that make your list?
2: Unfortunately, it did
1: not make my list. It was in and out of my playlist probably a dozen times, and I had to leave it out because I have nine other songs that are equally great. Brian?
0: Same situation with mine. I had two songs from Signals that I was going back and forth with. This was the one that I ended up not going with, but it was very tough. I was actually listening to Signals yesterday, just trying to decide which one of the two. However, Michael at Michael's Record Collection, Deep Cuts, the Lost and Found podcast, Gino's Dad and DFO Writes all on Twitter chimed in with this one. And I want to give a shout out to Patreon playlister Lance Levine, who also chimed in with Subdivisions. It's a hugely popular song. There's no denying it. I think you're right, Jerry. It did usher in a new era for the band. But again, this song was also one of those ones that the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame recognized. It's a a staple. According to Setlist FM, it's been played live 929 times. So, I mean... There's not many concerts where you weren't hearing this song, It's an integral part of their catalog. So unfortunately it didn't make my list, but I love the pick. I love it too. So Steve, with that being said, we're back to you for track two. All right. My track number two
1: is from 1977's A Farewell to Kings. And it of course is Xanadu. No rush playlist of mine. No top 10 of mine. No rush. Anything of mine is complete. Without this song, it's Rush at their prog rock best. The five minute buildup with Neil's percussion and Alex's soaring guitars is just amazing. And you're just on an incredible journey to the lost Xanadu with Rush. And the first time I heard this song, I was blown away. And when I listened to it the other day preparing for this, I was still blown away. So that's why Xanadu is number two on my playlist.
0: Jerry, did Xanadu make your list? It did.
2: Yes. Coming in at number five, Xanadu. And it was also in and out. But it's such a classic, classic, classic. Can I say classic again? Classic. Rush song. I never get tired of listening to Xanadu. Ever. When it comes on, I'll just listen to it. I'll put it on just on its own instead of listening to an album. I'm like, oh, I'm going to listen to a Rush song. I'll listen to Xanadu. It has a, so much Rush in it. You know what I mean? There's so much DNA of Rush in Xanadu. So that's why I chose it.
0: Well, I like the way both of you gentlemen think, because tonight we now have a trifecta. That is my track eight. It's the first Rush song that synthesizers actually played an integral part in the recording. So, Jerry, where you mentioned where the synthesizers and subdivision were kind of the forefront of the song. Right. I don't think you would have ever gotten two subdivisions if they didn't introduce them in a song like Xanadu. Yeah. And kind I of agree. start working them into the sound. So to me, this is a pivotal turning point for the band. And the other part that blows my mind, this song is ridiculously intricate. And apparently, the song was recorded in one take. Yep. That is 100% true. 100%. Considering its length and its complexity, that's astonishing. It is. And it blows my mind because you listen to that song and you're going perfection in one take.
2: <laughs> it is amazing. It really make recording all the other songs kind of pale in comparison. It's like, oh, why
0: can't we just do another Xanadu? <laughs> why can't we do everything in one take instead of takes right? Three. So Rolling Stones reader voted this song number six in their top 10 rush songs list. And according to Setlist FM, the song's been played 966 times. So again, Still not breaking a thousand like Tom Sawyer did, but a huge concert staple. Shout out on Twitter to Mark Igleski, Roland Bromette, Andy McGuire, Polymer Noise, Reed Sturdivant, Juan Jorge, as well as All About Rush, who chimed in with the exit stage left live version of the track. Our first trifecta of the evening, Xanadu, and a perfect song to kick off a trifecta, I must say. Absolutely. Jerry, back to you for track
2: two. Well, my track two is another album opener and it is distant early warning.
1: Oh wow. Interesting.
2: Yeah, because this is again another song that I will listen to over and over again. These are the songs on the songs on this list are the songs that I go back to if I just want a quick a quick hit of Rush. I love everything about the song, including the topic of the song you know, like a missile defense system. You don't get a lot of bands writing songs about <laughs> missile defense systems. <laughs> not many that I know of. I'm sure there are some, you know, niche bands, like some maybe some kind of Klingon language band <laughs> that'll do like a missile defense song, but I'm not sure that a mainstream rock band would. And again, you know, it's one of those middle period rush songs where a lot of people are just like, oh, they don't like race Under Pressure or they don't like the production of it or whatever. But to me, it has everything in it that makes Rush great. Steve.
1: I unfortunately did not pick Distant Early Warning. <laughs> it's a favorite of mine. It was in and out of my list because 50 songs were in and out of my list. But I did not pick it, unfortunately.
0: And unfortunately, it didn't make my list either. And I'm going to sadly say nothing from Grace Under Pressure did. And that's one of the albums that didn't make the 19 down to 10. Right. But it's not for the reason of the change in their sound or anything. I think Grace Under Pressure is actually underrated considering some of the, I don't want to say flack, but uh, some of the feedback the album gets is not quite as high as some of their other output. And I don't feel it was such a left turn that people would be like, what are we listening to? But I guess when you compare it to a Fly By Night or a 2112, there is definitely a musical evolution happening.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of Rush fans would say that when the guitars lost their muscle uh, is when they kind of tuned out of rush. And most came back like in the nineties and the two thousands when the, you know, the overdriven guitars came back. But for me, a great song is a great song and I don't care if it has slightly jangly guitars on it. It's got brilliant solos on the whole album. So I'm loving it.
0: All right. Well, moving on to my track two now. Attention, all planets of the Solar Federation. We have assumed control. I am going with the title track of 1976 is 2112. And because it's one track on a CD, and just let's be honest here, I've never just listened to the Overture and the Temple of Syrinx <laughs> and stopped the song. To me, it's one song, it's one mm-hmm. epic masterpiece. It deserves one spot on my playlist clocking in at 20 minutes and 33 seconds long. It's the longest song in Russia's catalog. Doesn't feel it. Doesn't feel it at all. No. And according to Setlist FM, the song was played live by the band. Thirteen hundred and seventy three and thirteen hundred and eighty nine times live. That's for Overture and the Temple of Syrinx, respectively. Mm. So very high up there. As far as cover songs, I mentioned that subdivisions a tribute to Rush album. Janie Lane of Warrant, Vinnie Moore, Stu Hamm and Mike Mangini covered the track on that album. And it's it's not bad. And I know people go, come on, Warrant. It's not bad. (laughs) Like, he's a fantastic singer. Unfortunately, everyone immediately is thinking cherry pie, including everybody listening right now and not thinking of songs like Uncle Tom's Cabin, where he shows a little bit more of his vocal prowess. The guy could sing. And then another one I I have to mention, especially timely right now because of the passing of Taylor Hawkins, the Dave Grohl and Taylor Hawkins cover of Overture that was featured on the 40th anniversary deluxe edition of 2112. Mm -hmm. It hits extra hard now because you think about the rendition they did before Rush was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame when they were playing it together. I get goosebumps just thinking about it now, knowing, knowing that Taylor's no longer with us. Neil was one of his idols, and you could see that on that performance on the Grammy stage. Shout out on Twitter to Man Tools Media, Juan Jorge and Morty the Mortician Stein, who also chimed in with my track two 2112. Steve, did that make your list? It sure did. 2112 is track four
1: on my playlist. I just realized my playlist is really long. This is the song that crystallized Rush in my brain as the greatest band I'd ever heard in my life. When I became a Rush fan, I went out like you did, Jerry, and I'm sure you did, Brian, and got every Rush album. And when I bought this one, that song just blew me out of the water. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Overture and temples are so heavy. Discovery and Oracle, they're so beautiful. The acoustic guitar is amazing. And the story Neil wrote is just outstanding. And he wrote that story at age 24. Just think about that. 24 years old when he wrote 2112. It's crazy. An amazing song, my track four. And I hope Jerry picked it for his list. I hope.
2: I hope. Hmm. I do not have 2112. Oh. My list. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling that someone was going to pick 2112 so I didn't pick 2112. I wanted, you know, if people are going to be voting on our lists, I wanted a lot of variation at least from my list to other lists than I was assuming that 2112 would make someone else's list
0: Well, so far you're hitting that right on the money, Jerry, because (laughs) Steve and I have three songs already on our list and they're exactly the same, just in different places. So in that regard, kudos for the other picks. Now that could play either very well or very poorly, right? depending on what Rush fan is listening. So (laughs) I
2: love it. I love the variation, but you know, Steve and I went to see Rush be inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame. So we got to see Taylor, and Dave
0: play that uh, overture. And it was as fantastic live as you can imagine. Wow. I couldn't even imagine being there in person. That must've just been so surreal. One of the best things we ever did for sure. Fantastic. So Steve, with that being said, we are back to you now for your track three. So for track three,
1: I decided to go with a song that evokes the incredible memories of seeing Rush live. And this is a song that, I always went bananas when rush played live and it is natural science. This song is from permanent waves. Another nice long song and a song about of all things, Jerry, you were talking about distant early warning. This one's about a tidal pool of microorganisms. That's its own galaxy, right? (laughs) According to Neil, another prog rock masterpiece. It's beautiful in parts. It's super heavy in parts. Alex's solo is epic. It has it all
2: really. And it's my track three. Jerry. Well, Natural Science is my number 10 song. Wow. I wanted to close out my playlist with Natural Science because it begins acoustically, kind of lulls you into a false sense of security. It's got the lapping waves, but then becomes the craziest rush song Next to uh, Cygnus X one, just the, the craziest song in the world. Like Steve said about tidal pool, about evolution in the tidal pool, these little creatures, you know, become admin. It's the strangest <laughs> song in the world. It is such a bizarre song.
0: Oh, now I get to feel the uh, guilt. Oh no. I will be representing permanent waves tonight, but I picked a different song other than natural science And this is where it hurts because it's like, oh, God, I get the trifecta chopping axe. The song was played 450 times only, Hmm. not played as much. A third of Tom Sawyer, which is surprising to me because of the popularity of this song. Obviously, you both picked it Mm -hmm. for a very good reason. And this is definitely one that people gravitate to. Tom E., as well as Sam Pilling chimed in with this one on Twitter. And there's absolutely no denying it. And unfortunately did not make my list. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: I mean, it's a, it's a long song, so it's hard to fit in so many long songs.
0: Yeah. Into yeah. a
2: concert. So, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised it wasn't played more, but I remember when they played it, it was one of the best moments of the show.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, Jerry, we're going right back to you now for your track three. My track three is
2: another very popular song in my household anyway, Limelight. Oh, all right. I got to represent moving pictures with something. Limelight is such an interesting song because we get a glimpse into how Neil thinks about being in a rock band (laughs) and how he thinks about his own privacy about the Gilded Cage in which she lives in, and I guess in which all of us live to some respect. But it also contains my favorite Alex Lifeson solo. Mm. One of the best solos ever recorded, in my humble opinion. So it had to come somewhere on my list. And I chose number three because I think it sounded pretty cool right after Distant Early Warning*. really is why I did it.
1: So when I was doing my playlist, I actually thought about putting every song from moving pictures on the playlist. (laughs) And I think if I had done that, I might have won this going away. Right. But I decided not to do that. And unfortunately, as much as I love Limelight, it did not make my playlist.
0: Apologies to all Limelight
1: fans and Jerry.
0: And me. (laughs) (laughs) Because this is the one time I'm going back to an album in Rush's catalog a second time. I wanted to originally go with 10 different songs from 10 different albums. And when I played my playlist all the way through, I'm like, I can't do it without Limelight. I just can't. And it doesn't have the same story as Tom Sawyer did for me with my buddy. So I couldn't not have Tom Sawyer. It reached number 55 on the Billboard US Hot 100, as well as number four on the US mainstream rock chart. So again, not a top 40 hit. Brad at Pop Culture Yearbook said, there's no way I can go through this episode without mentioning this part. So shout out to him. In 2009, the song was performed live by the band in the I Love You Man movie. Yep. Oh, yeah. And the song has been featured in a lot of movies. 2002's Sunny. 2012's That's My Boy. 2009's Fanboys. And the one that I remember growing up, 1980's Used Cars. <laughs> really? It's in Used Cars. <laughs> yes. And in video games, Gomez would be upset if I didn't mention this song was featured in the game's rock band, Guitar Hero Warriors of Rock and Guitar Hero Live, because why wouldn't it be <laughs> talking about that guitar <laughs> solo? Like, really, let's be honest here and shout out to Patreon playlister Anthony Welk, as well as on Twitter. Let me take a deep breath before this list to Ryan at the Soundtrack Your Life podcast, Posse Vitrala, Dave at the Beer in Front podcast. The Shane and I Show, Rotator 74, Michael and Matthew at The Pedestrian at Best Podcast, Tracy Swain, Glenn Gallucci, It's Steve, Mark Eastwood, Lost Losers Podcast, Jason Skull, and Michael Hampton, who all chimed in with my track seven, Limelight. Very nice. A lot of people chimed in with that one. Yeah. All right. So now we are up to me for my track three. And it sounds like we're only at track three, but a lot of the board's getting plugged in early tonight. So <laughs> right. I'm actually going to go with one that I don't know how people are going to react with this. But Getty Lee has said that this is one of his favorite songs to play live. So because he said that, I feel like I've got a little bit of a check mark next to it. I'm going back to the 1974 self-titled album, and I'm going with Working Man. Oh, wow. It's the only song on my list that features John Rutsey on drums. But regardless, this song is a monster. And it's one of those first songs where when I heard that Neil wasn't on this album, I went back and listened to it again. And I wondered where Rush would have went had Neil never been a part of it and where the evolution might have been to somewhere where Neil could become the part of the band he did. And I feel like this was the song on the self-titled album where I heard where the evolution was going with the band it's not quite Prague, but i feel like some of the elements were starting to kind of form in this song so according to setlist.fm the song has been played live 905 times so it obviously has stayed a part of their live sets throughout the years and the guitar solo appeared in guitar world magazine's 100 greatest guitar solos list cover songs in 2012 Danielle Armstrong covered the song for the opening credits of transporter, the series. And this one, I actually love Cyril Neville's version from his magic honey album. It's like this funky blues swamp rock. And somehow on a rush song, it worked shout out on Twitter to Eric Schmidt and Kay Hutch, who also had my track three working man. I love that
1: Cyril Neville version. It's so good. God. Awesome. It is so good. And Alex's solo on that song has got to be in his top 10 solos, right, Jerry? It's so
2: great. It is a great solo. It's a great song. And I understand what you're talking about when you say that it kind of was the beginning of what was to come because it has so many different elements that we would come to identify as Russian later on.
1: But I did not pick it for my playlist, unfortunately, Jerry.
2: I did not pick it for mine either.
0: I had a feeling I was going to be alone with this one, and I was okay with that, trying to throw a few curveballs in there to make my set list kind of have some distinction Mm -hmm. to it. Because it's hard when you're picking the songs that everyone knows and loves, as well as you want to pick some ones that might be a little off radar there. Mm -hmm. Great pick, though. Uh, Thank you. So, Steve, you had 2112 for your track four. So, Jerry, we're back to you now for your track four. My track
2: four... Is another concert favorite free will? Oh, nice. Got to put a little free will in there because, as we talked about on the podcast more than once, Steve, because I think we talked about permanent waves a couple of different times in a couple of different uh, oh, yeah, formats. The guitar solo part is really a guitar solo, a drum solo, and a bass solo mm-hmm. all at the same mm-hmm. time.
0: Mm-hmm. Three
2: guys just going ham. On their instruments. And at the end, in concert, every time they played it in concert, when that was over, everybody cheered because you couldn't believe that this thing just happened in front of you. Every single time we saw them do this song live, it was the same thing, just the hugest cheer at the same time, because it's such an amazing musical feat.
1: I can't say enough about Free Will. It's one of my favorite Rush songs amazing solo, like you said, Jer, Neil, Alex, and Getty all just going to town at the same time. But unfortunately, I could not
0: fit it on my playlist as much as I love
1: it. It did not make my
0: list. And I, get, I have to say this a second time tonight. I have a song from Permanent Waves, and Free Will is not it, but that's a fantastic song. There's no denying it. I absolutely love it. Some of my favorite lyrics in that song. I just yeah. love the lyrics in it. And a lot of people chimed in with this one as well. Deep Cuts, the Lost and Found podcast, Mike Daly, Juan Jorge, Proud Teamster, Wolfgang's Paw and Mark Irwin all chimed in with free will. And man, thank God we have honorable mentions in this show, but it's <laughs> going to be tough. It's going to be tough because there's already some great ones in here. So with that being said, we're moving on to my track four. I did one dad joke at the beginning. I hope you guys will humor me for one more. And I hope none of you criticize me for this pick from 1993's Counterparts. I'm going with Animate. Oh, wow. Nice pick. I love, love, love this song. I feel like this was the song that really brought them out of the 80s sounding era and really into the 90s era because there's still a little bit of the synth sound, but this one you're starting to hear the guitar is turning back up and you're starting to feel a little bit more of that 90s feel. And I feel like this song could have been actively played on 90s radio against a lot of the other 90s rock music that was out. This was pre-Hootie and the Blowfish. This was still in the grunge era, but I feel like this song has elements of it. I love the lyrics. I love the repetition of just the eyes me throughout all the different uses of the word Reached number 35 on the billboard mainstream rock charts. And this was the most shocking part was only played live by the band 216 times. Wow. When I came on your show, gentlemen, we did deep cuts. And one of my criteria was the song had to be under right 200. So this didn't make my top five deep cuts list, but man, this is a deep cut. If you think about it, even (laughs) though it was a hit for the band, when they only recognize it 200 times, it's a deep cut. Absolutely. And I want to give a shout out to Jason at the It's Not That Bad podcast, who also chimed in with this one. I'll be curious if this made either of your playlists, gentlemen, Steve.
1: It did not make my list. I'm a huge fan of Counterparts. I think it's an amazing album. I love Neil's drum work on this particular track. And Rush always killed it live with this. But it just didn't make the cut for me. It is not on my playlist, unfortunately.
2: And Jerry? It is not on mine either. Although I really do love Neil's Count In at the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I agree that it definitely sits in the pocket of 90s music. It's once again, a great example of Rush just kind of absorbing the musical culture around them and filtering it through their own sound.
0: It highlights their versatility. Uh, I mean, really, because it's showing decade to decade that they're rolling with the punches Mm -hmm. and whatever the scene is, they're able to adapt to it and bring it to the next level with their musicianship. And that's another thing. It's one thing to copy what's happening musically at the time and whatever the scene is it's another thing to embrace that but elevate it and that's something that rush was always able to do because if you think about the 80s rush sound and people say oh it sounds like very 80s compare what's happening musically in a song like subdivisions versus one of your other new wave 80s hits Mm -hmm. the complexity is just night and day difference, even from a band that I love, like the Cars. If you think about a Cars album from that era, Mm -hmm. the complexity is night and day, but they still played together on rock radio at the time.
2: That has a lot to do with what kind of voice a band has found for itself. Rush has a singular voice. They are themselves. So like I said, anything that they are exposed to is going to be filtered through that point of view and come out like themselves.
0: Exactly. Well, moving on to track five, Jerry, you already had Xanadu as your track five. Mm -hmm. Steve, what do you have up?
1: Well, I had to have an instrumental in my playlist and I thought about YYZ, but I decided to go with La Via Strangiato, which translates to The Strange Village. And the strange village we're visiting is Alex's Nightmares. (laughs) (laughs) Right. This song is divided into 12 parts based on nightmares. Alex had each part has a purpose. Each part is just epic. And to me, no rush playlist is complete without this song. And Jerry, you and I have talked about this. When we interact with fans via email and via Twitter and Instagram, almost every rush fan says this is at the top of their list. So it's gotta be in my playlist.
2: Well, it is not in my playlist, although it was until, I don't know, 10 minutes before we started recording. (laughs) (laughs) I just at the last minute decided to change it. But, you know, I will tell you one thing. Somebody, one of our listeners sent me an email saying that he had, I don't know, like a hundred different files just of Alex's wacky ramblings in the middle of La Via, you know, and he would just step up to the microphone and say Milton Banana" or whatever he used to say about everybody. So he he sent me all of the files. I have yet to go through them, but I'm sure they're the weirdest things you've ever heard in your life. Oh my God. (laughs) I'd love to hear that. (laughs) I'll send them to you. Awesome. I'm going to mention them on the podcast. Some of them when I go through them all, but it's a lot of files. So we'll see what happens.
0: Well, unfortunately, Jerry, we do have to hand you the trifecta killing axe again (laughs) because I closed my playlist out. This is my track 10. According to Setlist FM, the song was played live by the band 855 times. Apparently, it's one of the few songs in the band's catalog in which Neil is credited with writing some of the music. He's normally only credited with lyrics, which surprises me. And this song is very special to me because my buddy who passed, this was his favorite song. Anytime we were in the car together, he's like, you know what I'm putting on. I'm putting it on. (laughs) And he would put this on. And every time it got to the monster segment, he would turn to me and be like, dude, I know I've said this a million times, but how cool is it that they ripped off the Looney Tunes and (laughs) not ripped off, but borrowed from the 1936 song Powerhouse by Raymond Scott, which was used in a lot of the Looney Tunes episodes and made it rush because he was a huge Looney Tunes fan. So he would literally say, dude, Looney Tunes and Rush in one. This is like my peanut butter and jelly sandwich (laughs) of songs, man. This is everything. And apparently per joke that they spent more time working on this song than the entire Fly By Night album, which I thought was (laughs) (laughs) Shout out on Twitter to Chuck B 63, as well as one more time to Juan Jorge, AKA little John from Venezuela. He and I were lockstep tonight. We had five of the same songs on our lists when he chimed in. So I thought that was very cool. My track 10, obviously La Via Strangiato. There you go. So now we're back to me again. My playlist is getting just decimated between the picks. (laughs) So back to my track five. And here's where I'm going to go back to Signals. I did say that I didn't have subdivisions and I was going back and forth between two songs. And this is the one I ended up choosing overall. Reach number 19 on the Billboard Mainstream Rock chart. And Prague Magazine in 2016 called it the seventh best Rush song from the 1980s, as well as classic rock magazine readers ranking this the band's 24th best overall song, The Analog Kid. According to Setlist FM, again, it's a deep cut. It's only been played 272 times, which is pretty damn low compared to a lot of the songs on my list. And I have to wonder why, because this riff is pure fire. <laughs> this riff is ridiculous. And you think about the synth that's happening underneath it. And Alex's wherewithal to take this guitar riff and kind of sandwich it together it doesn't sound like it should work and oh man does it work it works great and i I, between that and subdivisions what a one-two punch to start an album shout out on twitter to scott mdh juan jorge again michael shoot brad davis and sam who all chimed in with my track five the analog kid
1: well that's my track six all I have right. to agree with you a thousand percent. Brian, there's so many great choices on signals. You've got subdivisions, you've got new world, man, you've got losing it. But to me, the song I always gravitate to is the analog kid. Like you said, it's a killer killer guitar riff. Getty's bass line is awesome. The drum parts are crazy. Alex's solo is amazing. And the chorus is so dreamy and it fits the lyrics so perfectly the boy dreaming and that dreamy section and Neil stealing the sticks line and turning it around too
0: many hands on my
1: time. It's awesome.
0: <laughs> Jerry, do we have a trifecta or are you getting a third trifecta chopping ax?
2: Yeah. I'm, <laughs> oh. I'm trifecta blocking again. Um, I do not have analog kid. Oh, bummer. Although I agree with everything that has been said about it. Because there is, you know, during the guitar solo, there aren't any keyboards being played. Just what I like about it, too, is that on a keyboard heavy album, they forego the keyboards. So you can just hone in on the band members individually. Again, just killing it while Alex is doing the things that Alex does when he solos.
0: Yeah, just like I'd say that that could possibly be in my top five Alex solos. Like, it's just it's just fantastic. Yeah, it's all over the place. It's fantastic. All right, we're moving on to track six, which, Steve, you had the Analog Kid. So, Jerry, we're back to you for track six.
2: Well, I'm going um, a little late era Rush with One Little Victory. Oh, wow. Nice. I love the drums at the beginning of One Little Victory. And originally when the song was recorded, they weren't at the beginning of the song. They were in a different part in the song, but the producer was like, I think we should really start the song with this. And so they switched up and they loved it. And I think it's just a great way to start a song. And like I said, all the songs on my list are for me, you know, just like driving 90 miles an hour down the parkway type of songs. And this is definitely, definitely one of those songs. When the drums kick in, you just want to put the pedal to the metal. Steve.
1: I love One Little Victory. The double bass at the beginning is amazing. When we saw it live, feeling that fire in your face was amazing. But unfortunately, (laughs) not only is this not on my list, but there are no songs from Vapor Trails on my list, which pains me to say, but it's not on my list.
2: Well, I needed to put a song from Vapor Trails on my list because before we started the podcast, it was really at the bottom of my favorite albums but after I listened to it with fresh ears after I don't know like a decade it jumped up in my estimation so I had to put a song from vapor trails on
0: I I love the one you picked it's my favorite song on vapor trails unfortunately it did not make my list however patreon playlister Anthony Welk did chime in with that one so shout out to him live it was only played 259 times obviously it was post 2000 so mm-hmm. there was less time to do it in so obviously, just by proxy, the number is going to get less. But I, I feel like that was a fantastic representation of that album. Now, Jerry, I have to ask, the version you're picking, are you going with the original mix or the remixed version from the 2010s?
2: I'm going with the the remixed version because that's the one I listened to when I found out I liked it. So I don't know <laughs> if it has anything to do with the remixed version, but that's just the one I'm sticking with.
0: All right, well, we are moving on to my track six now, and I'm going to go back to 1975's Fly By Night, and I'm going to go with Anthem. It's the first track to feature Neil on drums on a Rush studio album, and it's the song that Geddy and Alex played with Neil for his audition to the band. Mm -hmm. So even though the song was written during John Rutsey's tenure, I feel like Neil really made this song his own. And even though it was only played 555 times throughout the years, I feel like this is a underappreciated. Well, for lack of a better word, anthem for the band. (laughs) And as far as cover songs go during the pandemic, one of the videos I was most impressed with overall was Jordan Old's two minutes to midnight. He has a series Mm -hmm. and he covered this song on YouTube with Mastodon's Bill Kelleher, Tool's Danny Carey, Primus's Les Claypool, and Coheed and Cambria's Claudio Sanchez. And it was awesome. (laughs) Really, really cool quarantine cover of it. Again, it's a little bit of a deeper track for me, but because of the significance in Rush's story and being the song that they auditioned with, I felt like it kind of tells a cool part of where the band went from the self-titled album on. And this was the pivot point because this was the song, the first recorded song with him and everything else. So my track six Anthem. Well, unfortunately,
1: Anthem did not make my list, but you're right, Brian. It really announced Neil's arrival on the scene. The whole Fly By Night album is just amazing. I didn't pick any songs from Fly By Night. I had to leave some records off. And this is when I left off.
2: Sad to say. I also left it off. But that cover, we talked about that cover on one of our episodes. We did a covers yeah. episode because it was fantastic. And uh, I remember in the video, Les Claypool wearing a gas mask, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if he was what he was doing that for, but I remember in one of the comments under the YouTube video, someone said something like, you know, it's weird that. Les Claypool's wearing a gas mask. And someone responded, it's like, it'd be weird if he wasn't wearing a, exactly. <laughs> a gas <laughs> mask. Claypool. Like He does the strangest things. <laughs> he wears like, you know, like penguin masks. And, you know, who the who knows what that guy is wearing on his face half the time. So it was totally up his
0: alley to wear a gas mask. But the love he has for Rush is, is I mean, they've played entire Rush albums on tour. Yeah. The love that Primus and Les have for Rush is is just undeniable. Yep. Steve and I
2: saw them do um a farewell to kings oh wow how was it it was really good i mean there were a lot of rush fans there i think so they were chiming in awesome awesome
0: i'll be sure to embed that cover of anthem on the playlist Wars podcast.com page under this rush page if you haven't seen the video go watch it it's it's a fun fantastic cover and kind of those quarantine videos were such a huge part of covid and that was one that really just sticks out at me this whole time so moving on to track seven i had limelight for moving pictures so steve we're back to you
1: well for me no rush playlist is complete without recognizing the synth era of rush in the 80s and for track seven i went with manhattan project ooh this song highlights another thing rush was so good at and that is creating cinematic songs And who else can write a song about the Manhattan Project and make it so perfect, right, Jer? Yeah. You feel like you were there in the room when they were conceiving the bomb. You're on the flight. The Enola Gay, when they're dropping the bomb, so emotional. Getty's voice is incredible on this song and makes you feel like you were there. And Alex's solo, again, probably in his top 10 solos for me, Manhattan Project is number seven.
2: Jerry. I do not have Manhattan Project, although I agree again with everything. I mean, just think of the ideas behind most of the songs on our lists or Rush songs in general. Manhattan Project, Tidepool Evolution, <laughs> 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 you know, uh, anti-ballistic missile, te- mm-hmm. you know, what I mean, it's just crazy, the topics of Rush songs. And Manhattan Project is really a very emotional song, too, when they played it live an unusual thing for them to play live from that album.
0: Looking here only 250 times total.
2: Yeah. So yeah,
0: it's a great song, Steve. Good pick. Thank you. Yeah. I love the pick. I don't have anything from power windows. That's one that sadly made the chop not for dislike by any means. Just there's only 10 songs. I only have one song left and that one wasn't it, but I absolutely love the pick Jerry track seven. My track seven is Far Cry. Oh, wow. Ooh.
2: Now, Snakes and Arrows was really the album that I liked the most since probably maybe Hold Your Fire. Not that I disliked the other albums, but there was just something about Far Cry to me that was like the old Rush, if you want to call it that. And Far Cry having in it the, the nod to Hemispheres with that chord mm-hmm. at the beginning maybe that has something to do with it but again i love the idea behind this song you know the world is a far cry from what we had hoped it would be you know whatever that is whether that's environmentally or personally but if you look back on your life and you try to think about the things that you thought your life was going to be like and realize that your life is a far cry from what you thought it was going to be. I just think that's an excellent foundation for a great song.
1: Jerry, your list is so heavy. It's so heavy. Unfortunately, that did not make my list. I love snakes and arrows. I love far cry, Wish I could have added it, but I did not sadly.
0: Yeah. Same here. It's a fantastic song live. It was played 302 times. So even Hmm. more than the Manhattan project and considering the, the amount of time the Manhattan project was in the band's catalog prior to far cry that speaks volumes for what the band felt about the song after it debuted. I love snakes and arrows. I think it's a ridiculously great album. And I want to give a shout out on Twitter to cactus Pete, as well as on Patreon to Anthony Welk, who both chimed in with that song as well. So, I mean, a lot of love for that one as well. I'm So many great songs and, We're not even scratching the surface of the 167 here between our crossovers and stuff. So, damn. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to track eight, my pick was Xanadu. Steve, we're back to you. Well, I had to go back to moving pictures at least one more
1: time. And I went with Red Barchetta, another example of cinematic rush. You are on this car ride with Getty, Alex and Neil, and it is epic. Alex's solo is perfect as usual. Probably my favorite Getty bass line of all time. Brian, you probably have done this too. When you pick up the bass, just start playing Red Barchetta just to get warmed up. It's just so, so cool. And I had to put it on my list. It is my track eight.
0: Jerry. It is
2: not on my list though.
1: So sad.
2: I do dip back into moving pictures as well, but I did not choose. Red Barchetta.
0: Unfortunately, I still only have one song left, and I already hit moving pictures twice between Limelight and Tom Sawyer. So I just couldn't do it a third time. <laughs> but you can imagine the heartbreak with that. I do want to give a shout out to Patreon playlister Eric Chale, as well as on Twitter to Cactus Pete and Mark Jones, who chimed in with this one. It's a great song. No denying it. Steve, like kind of our mindsets we have a lot of the same songs and we went to moving pictures twice yeah. So you and i are kind of lockstep in this one in a way but I, I love where this is going so we got a couple of songs left here so jerry your track eight what do you got i have headlong flight wow Ooh. He-
2: headlong flight i've said this on the on the podcast before i know steve remembers but to me headlong flight is probably the rushiest of all rush songs It has a little bit of like every great thing about rush in it from the topic of the song to the music, to there's a little drum solo. There's this, it's it's the, it's one of those crazy rambling songs that just picks up speeds. It's like a headlong flight. It's like, it's a rock rolling down the hill. It's just goes on and on and on. And just when you think you can't take any more then you know, there's just more to this song. It's a very long song too. And again, a late, You know, it's on Clockwork Angels, their last studio album. Mm -hmm. It fits in well with the theme of the album, but it also is a standalone song, which is probably a very difficult thing to do. You'd have to ask Pink Floyd about that, but (laughs) it's just such a hard, heavy tune. I love it. Again, like I said, if I want to break the law, I'm listening to Headlong Flight. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Steve.
1: How great is it that Rush put out such an amazing album as their final album? What bands
0: do that? What bands do that?
1: And as much as I love Headlong Flight, it did not make my playlist. I'm very sad to say.
0: Same here. Unfortunately, this album didn't get represented, but I do want to, at least as a penance, throw a shout out to the episode (laughs) where I appeared on your guy's show for the top underrated Mm -hmm. songs. And I had picked BU2B mm-hmm. because I felt that that was like their one of their heaviest songs ever in their catalog. I mean, this album as a whole, Clockwork Angels, is heavy. Mm-hmm. This is a heavy, heavy album. I dare to say they're heaviest just from a power standpoint, not from speed and aggression and complexity, but more just a straight ahead. Hundred miles an hour assault and songs like this just at that point in their career you don't expect an album like that and i love it i absolutely love the pick me too and i want to give a shout out on twitter to cactus pete who also had that one so you're not alone with the pick that's great cactus pete all right we are moving on now to track nine and we are completely open here so steve we'll start with yours I got to admit, I'm fishing for votes
1: a little bit on this one. And I'm going back to 1989's Presto for Available Light. When we did our Rush Deep Tracks episode, this was the song that gave me the victory, guys. Let's be honest. It was chosen by our (laughs) listeners the most as their favorite deep track. The piano open is so amazing. Getty's voice, in my opinion, is the best it ever was on this particular track on presto alex's solo i keep saying this but it's just masterful on this song and it's very deserving of the number nine spot on my playlist available light
0: jerry
2: i do not have available light i knew steve was going to pick available (laughs) i knew he was because it did win him you know the coveted spot last time but i couldn't put it on because I, I just knew he was going to put it on and it would seem disingenuous for me to put it on i thought i don't love a song <laughs> but i would also just be like you know trying to pull the rug out from under him and i just couldn't do that to you steve
0: thanks man and at least according to setlist fm a song they've never played live he, they never played it live i mean that says volumes right there deep cut that is a definition of a deep cut that's to the bone that cut yeah that's deep man but unfortunately I went with a cut a little more to the surface of the skin for my last (laughs) pick, but I do love it. Presto's an underrated album too. Oh Um, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad I got some love tonight. Jerry track nine.
2: Well, I had to put an instrumental on there. So of the two greatest instrumentals I chose YYZ because it's, the greatest (laughs) instrumental. I know a lot of people would argue that La Villa is the greatest instrumental. And (laughs) I'm going to say, sure, I understand that. But for me, just the concise nature of YYZ and how many ideas are in those few minutes, I think, is just uh, astounding. It's an astounding piece of work. Uh, It just, you know, it fits perfectly on Moving pictures as well. It's my second dip into the moving pictures pool. And it was always one of my favorite things to see them play live. As soon as Neil's hitting the ding, 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 ding. The place just goes crazy. I mean, you don't have to do much to excite Rush fans in a Rush concert, but to hear that little ding, 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 and then everybody just explodes. It was always one of my favorite parts of being at a show.
1: Four minutes and 24 seconds, Jared. Four minutes and 24 seconds. I, know. I crammed all that into four minutes and 24 seconds. That's what I'm talking about, man. Distillation. Distillation. And I unfortunately did not have it on my list, but I agree with everything Jerry said. Tenfold.
0: It's an anthem. Again, I couldn't go back a third time to moving pictures. Although I am hmm. glad that all three of us in one way or another revisited moving pictures a second time. Cause to me, that just says how much that album Means to the, at least the three of us. Right. So, and at least we're all kind of on that same wavelength. Unfortunately, did not make my list. However, Patreon playlist or Anthony Welk, as well as on Twitter, Dave at the Beer in Front podcast, as well as the Shane and I show all chimed in with YYZ. Completely undeniable. Unfortunately, just not on my list. Jerry, your playlist is closed out for now. I have a track nine and Steve has a track 10. So with that being said, I'll go with my track nine first. And this was the song from permanent waves that I said I had that was not free will. I'm probably going a little mainstream here. Reach number 51 on the billboard us hot 100 again, shocked. It's not a top 40 hit for the band, but I'm going with the spirit of radio from my track nine. I also can't believe that new world man is their only top 40 hit for the record. Yeah, it is amazing, right? Reached 21. When you think of all their songs, that one, I don't picture being their highest charting single, but this song, the spirit of radio was played 1294 times live, the most in my list. <laughs> so I know I'm going very mainstream with this. However, no matter how many times I hear it and the riff kicks in, I never, ever get sick of it. It never gets old. In 2005, on that subdivisions, a tribute to Rush album I've mentioned several times tonight, Kip Winger, Jeff Stinko, Vinnie Moore, Stu Hamm, and Mike Mangini covered it. Pretty cool version. None of them rival Rush's, but if you ever stumble across the tribute album in a CD store, or you want to look it up online, there is a version available on Bandcamp to check out. And I want to give a shout out to Patreon playlister Ryan Howell, as well as the Shane and I show, Kent Anderson, JK, the Lost Losers podcast, my good friend Sean Faust, and Juan Jorge on Twitter, who also chimed in with this one, my track nine, the spirit of radio. Obviously, Jerry, it didn't make your list, but if you want to chime in on it,
2: uh, it was on my list, but I couldn't hit Permanent Waves three times. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> I just couldn't do it because then it would have been the Permanent Waves moving picture show. You know what I mean? Right. right. And I couldn't, when I was putting the playlist together and listening to it song back to back, it's such an opening album song to me that it just sounded weird to me to be any other place than the first on the list. And I already had subdivisions, which, again, is such a great song to kick off an album first on my list. So it just had to go.
0: It had to go. Yeah. For uh, mine, you see, the way I did it was track eight was Xanadu. So that was closing the set. And then my encore was Spirit of Radio into Lavia. So mm. I felt like that <laughs> was my excuse. Like, hey, you do a two song encore, right? Everyone does a two song. <laughs> so that was where I went with that logic. Steve, you only have one song left. So I'll ask, this is a double question. Is the spirit of radio your track 10? And if it isn't, what is your track 10?
1: The spirit of radio is not my track 10. Like Jerry, I was between Tom Sawyer and the spirit of radio as my first song on my playlist. I felt like one of those should have been the first song. So I went with Tom Sawyer, unfortunately left off the spirit of radio. And for my track 10, I decided to go to Clockwork Angels. Because, as I mentioned before, just amazing that Rush is able to put out such a masterpiece as their final album. And I had to pick a song from it. And the perfect ending to this final album, the perfect ending to Rush's career, and the perfect ending to the winning Playlist Wars <laughs> Rush playlist <laughs> is The Garden. What do you guys think?
0: I love the
2: pick. Yeah, it's obviously not on my list. As you said, my list is done. As much as these playlists are fan service playlist, Steve's going for the fan service with both available light and the garden back to back. Isn't the idea to win this contest? Isn't that what this is? It totally is, Steve. I don't begrudge you for doing it. I'm just telling you. I'm just pointing out, I think, your your motives for your list. Oh the gloves are off well (laughs) we're mortal enemies today we are not friends who host a podcast
0: we are enemies just please do me a favor and don't end the show on this behalf i'd feel (laughs) so so guilty (laughs) all kidding aside uh shout out to michael at michael's record collection who also chimed in with the garden as well so steve you were not alone with that one great great pick played live 72 times so obviously, though, it had a lot less
2: of a, of a, right? Like two tours, right? Yeah,
0: two yeah. tours. So the fact that it made it 72 times showed that they believed in the song from that point on. So completely get it. Love the pick. And we are now closed for our three playlists. Before we get into our honorable mentions, we do have a few Patreon playlister chime ins that I'd like to put out into the universe because they chose songs that none of us talked about tonight. And I want to start with Anthony Welk, who also chimed in with Fly by Night, Red Sector A, Peaceable Kingdom, and Secret Touch. And Eric Chale, who chimed in with By Tour, Cinderella Man, Marathon, Something for Nothing, which considering the name of your guy's show, I was shocked that <laughs> neither one of you picked that. Vital Signs and What You're Doing. All great picks yeah i i mean like any one of these songs could have easily made my top 10 as well Mm -hmm. i don't know about you guys but especially the something for nothing part oh yeah
2: yeah that that would have been that would be something steve would pick again fan (laughs) service (laughs) what
0: (laughs) all right gentlemen well calm down for a moment back to your respective corners take your corners right (laughs) all right well now's the time we have to tip the hat to somebody else on the panel By picking a song as your honorable mention pick of the night. So Steve, we'll start with you.
1: Well, since it just about made my list and did not, I have to go with the spirit of radio, just an amazing song leading off permanent waves and rush just at their best, Neil, Alex, and Getty just going off and the reggae section. Come on. Reggae and a rush (laughs) song. You got to go with the spirit of radio.
2: That's my honorable mention. Jerry. Jerry. Mine's The Analog Kid. I'm really surprised I didn't think of it. <laughs> I don't know why did. it wasn't on my list at all. And it really would have fit in well, I think. But what are you Well, that do?
0: gives us an honorary trifecta for the song. So you, I'll take the axe back from you now, Jerry. So that's one less axe you're holding on to tonight. Okay. And for mine, I'm actually going to tip my hat to you, Jerry, and go back to Permanent Waves. And I'm going to go with some Free Will. Good one. It was tough between that and Natural Science, but at the end of the concert, if they're coming back for a second encore, which one might they play? Eh, In the concert I'm going to, it'll be Free Will. So now's the time of the show where each one of us are going to go through our playlists one by one so people can hear our playlists in its entirety. Steve, we'll start with you.
1: All right, my track one was Tom Sawyer. Track two, Xanadu. Track three, Natural Science. Track four, 2112. Track five, La Via Strangiato. Track six, The Analog Kid. Track seven, Manhattan Project. Track eight, Red Barchetta. Track nine, Available Light. Track 10 was The Garden. And my honorable mention is The Spirit of Radio.
2: Jerry. Well, my track one is Subdivisions. Track two is Distant Early Warning. Track three is Limelight. Track four is Free Will. Track five is Xanadu, track six, One Little Victory, track seven, Far Cry, track eight, Headlong Flight, track nine, The Mighty YYZ, track ten, Natural Science, and my honorable mention was Analog Kid.
0: All right, and I kick things off with my track one, Tom Sawyer, track two, 2112, track three, Working Man, track four, Animate, track five, The Analog Kid, track six, Anthem. Track seven, Limelight. Track eight, Xanadu. Track nine, The Spirit of Radio. And track 10, Lavia Via Strangiato. Rest in peace, Dom. I love you, man. And every time I hear that song, I think about you. And I, I had to have that in my playlist. With my honorable mention of Free Will, I also want to take this moment to state that if you're a fan of my playlist, taking the honorable mention song out of the thought process here, My playlist clocks in at one hour, 17 minutes and 54 seconds. (laughs) So perfect for your burned CD.
2: (laughs) There you go. Well, I just checked mine.
0: It's an hour and three minutes. So, wow. And I have to assume Steve's is the longest, but not having the timing. Yeah, I don't have the timing.
1: Sorry, guys, but mine probably is the longest. I was going to say
0: definitely, definitely the longest. Yeah. I'm just trying to counteract anything that would make
2: people vote for one list over another as well. What so whatever you guys say, I'm just going to be like, yeah, mine's that too. Plus, <laughs> plus you get what? a free cherry Coke.
0: If you Ooh, Jerry's giving out cherry Cokes folks, not be a sure guarantee to reach out to him, but now you just lost all the Pepsi voters. So that's good for, that's, for oh, me and Steve. <laughs> <laughs> well, playlisters. Now we're going to turn it over to you. Head over to playlistwarspodcast.com visit the rush page and vote for which one of the three of us you think got it right. We had two trifectas tonight, Xanadu as the main trifecta and then an honorary trifecta to the analog kid. So you guys got your work cut out for you. Cause we got three <laughs> very distinct playlists here, Steve, Jerry, this has been an absolute pleasure. Why don't you tell people a little bit more about something for nothing where they can find you guys to listen to rush every week, as well as where they can connect with you on social media? Well, it's
1: something for nothing. A Rush fan cast. Uh, we talk about Rush albums. We interview people that are connected with Rush. We talk about Rush once a week. The episodes come out every Monday and you can uh, follow us on every podcast app. We are out there. And if you want to follow us on social media, I am on Twitter at Rush Fancast. Jerry is on Instagram at the Rush cast. And definitely listen to episode 125. We do our Rush Deep Cuts playlist with a very special guest named Brian Colburn. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us, and we hope people check it out.
0: Well, gentlemen, I thank you both for joining us tonight. This was a lot of fun. I know we talk about the show being Playlist Wars, but in the end, it's one big celebration of the band's music, and there's no denying that the three people on the panel tonight love this band. And I'm really curious to see how the fans... Of this show and your show, come out and vote. So, thank you both for coming on tonight. This has been an absolute pleasure.
1: Thanks so much, Brian. It was a pleasure for us to be here. And we love your podcast and we're listening.
0: Yeah, ditto. Well, playlisters, of course, thank you all for listening. Remember, vote for your favorite playlists and check out past episodes anytime at playlistwarspodcast.com. If you'd like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash playlist wars and select whatever tier works best for you. And stay tuned till next week, because a new battle is taking place right here on Playlist Wars. Good night, everybody.
1: You can find Playlist Wars on Facebook and Twitter at Playlist Wars on Instagram at Playlist Wars podcast on email at PlaylistWars at gmail.com or via voicemail at 201-644-6498. That's 201-644-6498. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a five-star review and be sure to tell a friend or multiple friends about the show. Until next time, thanks for listening.